Don't turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Belladora's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer one, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hello, I'm Mitch Dodd, and I'm here at the historic Greer Dragway in Greer, South Carolina for the sixth annual inaugural event of the Southeast Gassers Association. This year brings a whole new changes to what we're doing and how we're presenting the races. Our intent is to build this season from first race to the last race in a professional format and formula to bring you round-by-round -round excitement, driver interviews, as well as racing action. We're going to be set up throughout all year. We have nine events scheduled this year. This will bring down an A-gas and C-gas categories is what the, the Southeast Gassers is made up of. With that, you will be bringing you the footage of every round, of every class, all year long, from the first here at Greer Dragway to the final event, which will be hosting, obviously, our world champion for the year in both classes. This year, promises to hold a tremendous amount of competitions, rivalries, and of course the best of all things, true, accurate, historic racing from the 1967 year. That is what the Southeast Gassers is based on, the 1967 NHRA rulebook. In short, if the component or product did not exist in 1967, it is not allowed in these race cars today. The rules for the Southeast Gassers are extremely strict and enforced more so than in any other venue or association in the world today. The Southeast Gassers Association was founded seven years ago by my brother Quain Stott. Started with two cars, him and a friend of his, just simply to build these cars, kind of race them and have a little fun. From that, we've built seven years later for our sixth annual event. We now have 38 cars scheduled here today in both A and C gas categories. Now, the key to this is there is an additional 50 cars under construction right now. These cars are from around the United States and some out of the United States. We have spectators here today in excess of 2,000 people traveling from around the United States and out of the country as well. The Southeast Gassers has really caught on because of its strict adherence to its rules and the accuracy to what it was and the way racing was in 1967.
Playback Machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. Hi, this is Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run, run. Actually, race to computers and Google TanTalk1340.com. You can see us live here in the studio in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget you can uh, check them out at Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the podcast, which can be found on our website. Bobby, you want to go ahead and do the social media, and good evening this afternoon. Hey, I'm doing good. I will give you those social media that you should definitely go and check out. Our Facebook and LinkedIn at Nostalgic Radio and Cars and Twitter and Periscope at NRC On Air. Don't forget it. And if I were you, I would run even faster to your car radio and tune in to FM 106.1 and FM 104.3 because this is our very first FM broadcast here on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Yes, for months we've been talking about uh, the fact that we're going to get it heard on FM, and we are now. This is our first show on FM, broadcasted to you. That's right. The testing is over. The it's test- real. It's official. 101, no, 106.1. Did I get that right, Bobby? Yes. Okay, so anyway, yeah, I'll get uh, I'll get, I'll get it down to a sign somewhere later. Now, last week, if you tuned into our show, we didn't have a guest. We just kind of like were goofing around a little bit because I have uh, committed myself to learning how to operate the board. Now, I can do some of the production, and I can do the stuff in the back room, but in the control room, right, that's where you're sitting, Bobby, the control room? That's where I am. He's sitting behind the command center, okay? And uh, so it's a little bit more sophisticated in there because there's not one. There's two computers over there, and there's a lot of... A lot of buttons, a lot of dials and things like that that have to go on over there. And again, it's not wrenches and screwdrivers and things that I'm normally used to. These are, this is a, a digital stuff. And uh, so it's going to take me a little while and a couple tries to, to get it down to a science. But hey, bear with me. We will get it down because eventually what I want to do is my goal. Okay. We all have little goals, bucket lists, uh, is to be able to produce this whole thing by myself. Now, having said that, I think it's time to do a couple shout outs, right, Bobby, to some of our uh, local friends here in uh, Clearwater because we're, uh, we, we're, we've been negotiating some new, our new little advertising pl- program. But a big shout-out to our current sponsors, which is, and they're going to be with us, they're here for life, and that is Belladors. So if you want some great, great pizza and Italian food, don't forget, they got a 25% off discount if you mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars at Belladors. And you can find them. They have a link on our website. And then also their number is 727-581-5000. I think I got that right. And then, of course, typically Tuesday or Wednesday could also be Rib Shack Wednesday. Rib Shack, great barbecue. That's our good friends over there, Corey and them. Who's the rest of the staff over there? Gary's over there. Yeah, Gary, Jasmine, Jasmine, the whole whole, whole crew. uh, Do a great job over there. And don't forget Palm Harbor. Oh, yeah, they have a Palm Harbor location. It doesn't matter where you are in Pinellas County. You have to go to the Rib Shack. You have to go to the Rib Shack. And they're getting ready to move into a new building in Largo. And it's going to be a little bit bigger. They're going to have an open bar and all kinds of, not an open bar, but a bar. Okay, so they'll be serving beer and wine. That's be kind of cool. And their number is 727-501-9090. Okay. Uh, A little shout out this afternoon to a couple guys that we bump into every once in a while because. From time to time, I tend to pick up things in my tire. I like do. I have been known to get a flat. So the guys up there on Hercules Avenue, it's called Clearwater Tire. Uh, they sell used tires, and uh, they'll patch a tire and they'll plug a tire. And of course, today we needed a plug in our tire, so I'm going to give them a plug. So the guys up there, at Clearwater Tire, 
You know, if you need your tire <laughs> fixed or an inexpensive tire, give them a call. Their number is seven two seven. big talks wears doodly squat. Yeah, but it's real because there's nothing worse than having a flat tire, especially when you're in a hurry to go someplace, right, Bobby? Oh, that's true. Especially yeah. when you got a radio show. Especially when you got a radio show. We had some last. You know, sometimes I'm amazed that we even get to the station. You know, and as quick as we are as putting shows together, we were we. My son and I are an excellent team. Really, we are for hire too. By the way. <laughs> and uh Artie, if you only do. But at any rate, uh their number is uh seven two seven nine five three nine eight eight four to seven two seven nine five three nine eight eight four. Um, big shout out to our good friends over there at Stevie B's. If you're looking for a good vintage guitar or guitar lessons and things of that nature, give them a call down there. Up there. They're actually up in nineteen. That's seven two seven seven eight five nine one oh six. 727-785-9106. Stevie B's. Actually, Stevie's got his own place, a new place of his own down in, uh, he sold out a number of years ago, but he's got a place down in St. Pete, and he's right in downtown on uh, Central Avenue. Also, our friends down at Gearhead Performance, uh, shout out to Leonard and Gene and those guys, because I always go in there and pester those guys. Now, keep in mind, guys, I'm a Ford guy, so naturally I'm going to rag on the Chevy guys and I'm going to rag on the uh, Mopar guys, okay? And, uh, and I'm going to get into something here because I'm actually working on a Mopar right now. So a big shout out to the guys at Gearhead Performance and their number is 727-531-3551. That's 727-531-3551. You know what? That's the same number they had back in the old days. And uh, that uh, Gearhead Performance was formerly Automotive Engineering, which was started by Ed Monroe back in the 60s. And for all you guys who were street racers, drag racers back in the day, you'll remember um, Ed Monroe and Automotive Engineering, which was started in downtown Largo. And I think who else used to hang out with those guys? Uh, John Woodhouse, um, Frank I. Bell, uh, Bob Kotomaki, all those guys. And Bob Kotomaki has House of Hobbies. John Woodhouse has Cop Cars and Lime. Now, I work for these guys. Well, I, I'm working for John part-time right now. I'm doing some stuff for him. And one of the things that I'm working on right now is a 1976 Plymouth Grand Fury police car with a factory 440. Now, this car has been sitting for a while. It was a complete car. So basically... You know, when a car sits for a long time, you know, fuel dries up, brake lines, uh, you know, just everything just kind of just goes, it just kind of shrivels up. So you have to kind of massage it a little bit. Obviously, the first thing you want to do is you want to try to get the run engine running. First thing you check is oil. Make sure there's oil in the crankcase. And you want to make sure there's water in there. Okay. And if you're going to move the car, you want to make sure you got some brake fluid in it. Hopefully. Okay. So you go through the process. It's kind of like PM, like you would on any other car. And uh, so anyway, so this car's been sitting there for a while. I, we, we dragged it out. We got it up underneath a little canopy area that I'm kind of, you know, playing with it a little bit. And uh, so, you know, air up the tires a little bit. You know, it rolls freely and everything. So the first thing you do, obviously, is you try to get the car running. So once you, you know, you check all, you know, wires, connections, make sure everything's okay, get a good strong battery in it, hit the key switch, right? Boom. Well, it just goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the first thing we had to do, obviously, was we had to replace the battery, get the battery taken care of. Uh... Got a good battery. Start playing with the motor. Finally, after pouring a couple quarts of gasoline down the carburetor, it has a thermoquad on it, a TQ, we call it in the in the industry. Uh, it finally kind of spittered and sputtered and farted around and this and that. Okay, so fortunately, I didn't have to mess with the ignition. Obviously, check the plug wires, make sure it's, all that stuff's all hooked up. So the plugs, it was, it was making a lot of racket. So anyway, pull the plugs out, put a new set of plugs in it. Everything seems to be okay. Problem was, is when I pulled off the plug wires on the one bank, on the right bank, okay, excuse me, on the left bank, which would be the driver's side, right side if you're staring at it. We always used to argue about that in the salvage business. I need it off the left side. Yeah, but you you mean the driver's side. 
No, the left side. Well, it depends on where you're standing in you know, relationship to the car. Don't make me come up. I'm sorry. i got to call you back. <laughs> Actually, the opposite, right side. So a guy staring at the car right side would be the left side technically. But, you know, anyway, long and short of it is, is uh, I had the wires unplugged and I go, oh, crap, I forgot to mark them. Forgot to even check it. It's not like a Ford that I know the firing order, which is 1372-6548, for example, if you have a Cleveland. And on a Ford, the cylinders are 1234 on the right bank, which would be the passenger side. Five, six, seven, eight on the driver's side, which would be the, the left side of the car, right? Uh, Mopar's like a Chevrolet. It's one, two, three, four, crisscross. So right side, or driver's side, one, passenger side, two, driver's side, three, passenger side, four, five, six, seven, eight, so on. Okay. Well, all right, so we got that down. And thankfully, there's a, if you don't have a book, you, ha- you all you have to do is get out your handy-dandy phone, and you got an, in the internet right there at your just your disposal. So Mark comes walking out after I told him I didn't have the firing order, and if you could look it up for me real quick. Is that a hint to go to a commercial? Someone wants to say hi real quick. Greetings from the epicenter of all things American rhythm and blues rock and roll barbecue celebration to you, Robert. Oh, yes. When we come back from the break, we will tell you why he's coming. We'll tell you all about Uncle Ted. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Green Room Cars. I think we got a little Ted Nugent for you guys tonight. And since we have a massive social upheaval in this country, how about this song? I think it's most appropriate. What do you think? Free it for is all. a free for all. It is a free for all. Hey, you tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hi, this is John Force, and you're listening, listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You do it better than me. You do I it. Don't, don't. <laughs> Actually, I, that's always a good promo right there, just in itself. I'm John Force, and uh, you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. That's right. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we're back. Now, where was I? I was talking about this Mopar that I'm working on. Okay, so anyway, so once I sorted out the firing order, which was no big deal, then the next thing to do is to try to get it running. Well, I'll tell you what, after putting a little bit more fuel in there and playing with it a little bit, it just ran like a kitten. But then it kept farting a little bit and sputtering just for a second again. So I thought, well, damn, this is rang or wrong. we got to do something here. Now, keep in mind, we had the gas tank's been sitting for a long time, so there's no telling what's in it. So what I did is I bypassed the fuel pump, and then I rigged a uh, hose up so I could stick it into a gas can and then ran it off the gas can. Ran beautifully, okay? So that was good. So then I pulled it, put it, hooked it back up to the fuel tank, and uh, ran it off there again, put a couple gallons of fuel in it, figuring I would raise the level so all the crap would float to the bottom, or sink to the bottom, rather. And uh, so we had it running, and it's farting and sputtering and this and that. And, of course, then I noticed that we had a little bit of an overheating problem. So as it was getting hot on me, I was thinking, gee whiz, I'm losing water. So obviously you look underneath and you say, well, are the hose is bad. Do I have a freeze plug or potentially a water pump? In this case, we had a water pump that was leaking because it's draining out of the middle of the snout, okay? So, all right. So what you do basically when you're kind of getting a car running and driving is you kind of, kind of, you have to take a little bit of time and, 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 and go through the process of elimination and kind of isolate what's good, what's bad, what needs to be fixed, what you can do, the minimum to get it running without jeopardizing the engine. Obviously, you don't want to run it hot. You don't want to run it low on water. You don't want to run it low on oil or anything like that because you don't want to, you know, grenade the engine, especially an older one. And uh, this car was, is, we're getting ready because there's a customer that's interested in buying this car. So now I could get it running, and once I put it in gear, it would kind of gag on me a little bit. So I couldn't get it to run and drive and uh, 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 keep moving, so it kept stalling out. Now, let me just take a break here real quick, because Bobby wants to bring up an announcement real quick. Bobby, go ahead and bring that announcement in real quick, because we always forgot to bring up the big, big, big event for this weekend. Oh, yes, Ted Nugent coming to Ruth Eckert Hall this Saturday at 8 o'clock. Yes, Uncle Ted. Now, with a little luck, we'll have him on the show here in a little bit, but uh, or not tonight, but, I mean, we're, he's planning on, we're trying to get him on our show. He's been on our show two times before, and uh, we're huge Ted Nugent fans. Obviously, the Motor City Mad Wants, we're talking about cars, okay? And Ted is into cars. Now, he's more into trucks, and obviously, 
hunting and things of that nature, but he does have a small car collection. Hey, Broncos are good. <laughs> Bron- Broncos are good. We like Broncos. He's actually got a 79 Bronco, as as we do, and uh, but he's got a lot of the early the Series 1 Broncos, which would be 66 to 67. I mean 77. Yeah, that's right. 77. So anyway, all right. And then, wait, we might, wait, if we could put our last announcement. Oh, yeah. we got to throw that in. Our, um... Our new friend listening under the airwaves. Oh, yeah. Let's say a big shout-out to Jim Shue. Go ahead and announce his show. Jim because he's Shue got a- with Going Coastal. He loves the same music we do. Ted Nugent and everything. He's, and Mark Farner. And Mark Farner, the whole nine yards. He is on the Tantalk Radio Network on Saturdays from 11 to 1. And you know what? We heard a show for the first time this weekend. It came in loud and clear on uh, 106.1. Right, Bobby? And, like Bobby said, he plays our kind of music, plays a lot of 60s, 70s stuff. And the neat thing about Jim's show is it's very eclectic. It's kind of like a variety show. So he plays a little bit of 60s stuff, a little bit of 70s stuff. He goes into some 80s stuff. He bounces around. He's got that G, that D, G, D. He's got that DJ personality thing going on. So be sure and tune into his show every Saturday between, what, 11 and, 11 and 1, right? 11 and 1, yeah. Here on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Now, back to my story. All right, so now we get this car running, right? And... It's still gagging and sputtering, so I sit there and I'm trying to figure out how to get this thing running where I can actually move it and then kind of test it and drive it, see if the brakes work. Obviously, I did have a little bit of brake, not a lot, but I did have some. So what I did is the guy that was working with me, Aaron, I said, Aaron, here, do we have a squirt bottle? He goes, yeah, yeah, why? So I took the squirt bottle, took a hose, and I said, here, as I am starting this car and getting it running, I want you to squeeze the squirt bottle with a little bit of gasoline, run along the side of the car, squeeze the bottle, as the car gags a little bit, now what I kept doing is I kept going and drive, then I throw it in neutral, go and drive, throw it in neutral, until we got the car kind of where it would actually run on its own power, which it did. And we were pretty impressed with that. And then we get around the corner, and all of a sudden, Aaron's running. He goes, the, the bottle, the, the hose slipped out. And I go, what? Because I didn't hear him at first. And I said, is it running on its own? He says, yeah. And I said, jump on the back. So he jumps on the trunk of the car. We go around the block. We come back in, park the thing, and voila, we mission accomplished. Now, the only other problem I had, obviously, was the fact that gasoline was pouring out of the carburetor because all the gaskets had dried up and the seals were bad, which is not an uh, uncommon thing. And, uh, but that's, that's just one of those things. But the main thing is, is we got the car running. And we know what the issues are. So, you know, if a guy, a prospective buyer wants to look at the car, we can say, yeah, the car runs and drives. True. Okay. Does it make any weird noises? No. What does it need? Well, you know, obviously going to have to go through all the, you know, the carburetor. You're going to have to put probably a, another set of plugs, wires, and things like that. The usual tune-up. Check out the brakes, brake lines, shoes, pads, whatever, discs, all that other good stuff. So, at any rate, um, big shout-out to my friends down there at Cop Cars Online and Classic Automobile Company because that's John Woodhouse and them. And give them a call, 727 727- Five three six two six seven seven, or check out the website Cop Cars Online. Hey, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't touch that double. We'll be right back because we got a special guest coming on this evening.
quarters off the strip and cartwheels into the air. He scatters parts all over the area. Luckily, all he got was a scratch on his forehead. Monday, finals day, first. It's class against class in the little eliminator category. The Flintstone Flyer versus Old Reliable. With unequal classes running, the handicap system goes into effect. This gives the little guy with a good car a fighting chance in the final elimination. The F-gasser takes off, and then the A-factory experimental job. But Dave Koffel can't hold his lead, and Dave Strickler comes on to win the heat. Next up, Jim Wangers versus Jim Johnson. The B-factory experimental takes the modified sports car, and the stage is set for the final elimination. Only a small handicap this time, but Wangers jumps the gun, and Dave Strickler wins the little eliminator trophy with an elapsed time of 12.1 seconds. Hi, this is Dave McClellan, the voice of NHRA. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. Thank you, Dave. All right, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is a legendary racer, especially to all us Ford guys. He is the founder and pilot of the infamous Mustang Malco Gasser. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Ohio George Montgomery. George, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. So, you're still working, still machining, still building race motors, and having a great time of it, aren't you? Yes, probably not to the capacity I did years ago. Uh, I've slowed down considerably, but I'm still at work every day. Oldest speed shop in the country. Business, been in business 66 years. 66 years. Congratulations. That's amazing. That's excellent. Now, tell us a little bit about your humble beginnings. How did you get involved in cars? Well, you got to remember back in the early days, we didn't have drag strips. So we was kind of doing things illegally, and things just a whole lot different then. Uh, the cars weren't as fast, the roads weren't as busy, and um, a lot of the law enforcement was more tolerant, and law enforcement things didn't get out of hand. And, uh, yeah, we did some things we shouldn't do, but I remember this, there was a, uh, a desolate road we used to gather on. Uh, every time after one of our club meetings, we'd go out and have some a little bit of drag racing, and... Uh, Law enforcement be back in the kind of the woods there. After a while, they came out and said, "Boys, get too many cars here. You better go home." So if we did that. They kind of tolerated. So it was just different than than it is today. But but we didn't have any place else to go. And um, uh, I'd worked hard trying to get um, organized drag racing uh, started in a place to race at. But um, remember this: the things I'm talking about was in the early '50s. And we just didn't have any place. But um, it was just kind of worked up little by little by little. We didn't have the equipment to race with then. Our tires were recaps. It, it just was a whole lot different than what you could even imagine of today's stuff. Now, I've had people on from California, from Kansas, from Florida, from New York. What was it like? You're from what part of Ohio? You're near Dayton, right? Is that where you're at? Dayton, Dayton Ohio. I've been born, been here all my life. Okay. And Dayton is what, kind of like southwest of southwestern Ohio, southeast Ohio? 
it's about uh, 50 miles north of Cincinnati, kind of in the southwestern part, more or less. Okay. And uh, so when you were growing up then, I mean, obviously, was, was Hot Rod Magazine around back then, or, or was it just starting? What was that, please? Was Hot Rod Magazine, was it out then, or did that come a little bit later? I, I think it, it was, yeah, it was starting, I think they started in the late 40s. Okay. Uh, I can't say that for sure, but I think that was Derek. But, uh, yeah, all this all this stuff kind of came about the same time I was starting to play around with, with cars. Yeah, I had a, a car at a young age. Because of the, the township I lived in, they didn't have a high school. So when I graduated from grade school, I had to go in the closest town for high school. Would you believe at the age of 14, they granted me a driver's license to drive to and from school, which would be unheard of today, but uh, I had a driver's license at 14. Now, did you live out in the country? Were you kind of like on a farm, or were you just in a rural residential area? Pretty much rural area, yes. Okay. wasn't wasn't uh, many around it. It wasn't total farm, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't a city either. So, what was it like to get work for a young kid like that? That was a a car enthusiast. Did you get a job at a gas station like a lot of us did when we were fifteen, sixteen? You talking about where did I work at? Or yeah, when you were first young. I mean, a lot of kids like when we're fifteen, sixteen years old. The first thing you do is you get yeah. a job. Either work at McDonald's, you get a job at a gas station. So, yeah. obviously, if you're a car guy, we, get a... we didn't we didn't have McDonald's then. But, <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> Uh, one of my, my first jobs, when I went to high school, I went to a, a place, there's a co-op, and I worked two weeks to go to school two weeks, and I worked at a place called Dayton Lawnmower, rebuilding little gasoline motors on lawnmowers. Mm-hmm. But the first engine I ever worked on, I think I was only about seven or eight years old, was a, an old Ford tractor that my dad had, and um, this is back during the war years, and uh, I remember having to get the parts from a cat to come in from Montgomery Wards, and I came home from school every night to see if the parts were there. and uh, But that was my first that I'd worked on. But, um, yeah, I've been working on engines practically uh, since I was much more than a toddler. Did you f- kind of feel that you kind of had like a natural uh, knack for working on motors mechanically and stuff like that? So is that kind of why you gravitated in that direction? I don't know if I had had that. I'd, it was just interesting to me. Okay. Um but you know, back uh, back then, we didn't have any finances. Money was tight. I was only child. My folks went through the depression. Things things were tight, mm-hmm. and um, I used to do little knickknack things to try to try to earn what I could. So I've um, I've always been a pretty aggressive guy, and uh, maybe what you call a workaholic. Okay, well that's good. That's very commendable. Let's go forward a few years. Okay, your thirty-four Ford, your first streetcar race car. Tell us about that. Yes, I'd, I'd gotten that car. That can't tell you for sure when it was, but it was in the early, early fifties. And um, that time, I had a flathead engine in it, and it was just kind of a street rod. And um, as I said, we our, our speed shops then was the local salvage yards where you find parts to to do anything. Didn't have it much money or anything, but um, and I'm, I did take that in nineteen fifty two to Bodyville. To Bodyville? Yes, I did. One hundred seventeen mile an hour with that thirty four Ford. And that come back from there and put a Cadillac in it. And the car was, was a pretty fat end. Uh, but as at Bonneville, it was a non-fendered. Now, I, I put all the fenders on, made it a, uh, a full-blown street rod. It was full upholstery. It was just, it was a really a nice car. It was not built as a race car. It was a street rod. But, uh, you know, it run pretty good. And that was probably the first car that I, I was able to go to 
some of the organized racing when they started. Akron had a drag strip up in the in the early to mid fifties, uh, and of course when the NHRA Safari came through in the mid fifties, um, I won both of them. We had one one of the meets in uh, Indianapolis and uh, and one in Columbus, Ohio, and then Swept I kind of lived between them, and I was able to compete in both of them, and I won both of them. What class did you race? That class at that time was B gas. Okay. And then I put a color blower on it, and I put it up in A gas. And um, the car on more than one occasion would win top eliminator. It it ran well. That car today is is in Don Gardner's museum. It's one of his prize cars. Wow, that's incredible. That's an honor. Yes. yes. I have a lot of honors where my cars are at. Super. Well, now, here's you you hold the distinction that all your race cars, the 34 Ford, the 33 Willys, the 67 Malco Gasser Mustang, the 69 Malco Gasser, all those, all your, and the Maverick, I believe, was the Maverick you had? I'll tell you a story on that in a minute. Go ahead. All, all your cars are accounted for, and they're and they've never been crashed beyond recognition. I mean, they're all in fairly good shape, so That's congratulations right. every, to you. Every one of my cars... Would you believe just last Sunday, fellow who has my Maverick? I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard where he was at for several years. Came in from California to talk to me, and he shows me progress where he's restoring that car. So I was, I was pleased. That accounts for all of them now. I did have two funny cars that I, I run very short periods of alcohol cars, and those are accounted for. Really? Um, yeah. So. What the, were they? What were they? Well, let me start. I'll go through them all. Okay, good. Great. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you where. Okay. Of course, the, the 34 Fords and Gardas the museum. Right. The next car is, is the 33 Willys. Mm-hmm. Henry Ford Museum. Oh. And I think that's a, that's a great honor. The 67 Malco Gasser Mustang, the blue one, Peterson's Museum. The red Mustang, the turbocharged Mr. Gasket car, that's in a private collection up in Wisconsin. Um. Uh, then the Spunniger had a 71 a Mustang that I had a turbo engine like what was in the must, the other car. It was called the Boss Turbo. And a fellow in Indianapolis has that, and it's, he's in the process of restoring it. I'm helping him get the parts and stuff. The next one was a 72 Mustang, which had a, a blown camera in it. That's in a private collection in Ohio. Um, and, of course, it, I talked about the Maverick, which is in California now. And I do have the gentleman's name when he came in, spent a couple hours with me last Saturday talking to me about it. And um, I'm glad my cards are all around and, and account for all. Oh, by the way, the Hearst Gasser Passer is up in the uh, northern Ohio area. The fellow on that, he's uh, kind of re- rekindling that car, too. Now, which one's that? Tell me about that car. The Hearst Gasser Passer was a prefect. You remember that? I'd... No, no. I didn't tell me about that See, car. That was... That was in uh, 65. Of course, a little shorter wheelbase, Chevy-powered. The tires were starting to catch up with this. Guys need to read my book. I just brought out a book. They need to read that and read all these stories. But anyway. Tell us the uh, name of your book real quick. Go ahead and plug your book. What's the name of it? Uh, I got to read it off the cover here. <laughs> Good. It says, Ohio George Montgomery, Drag Racing's Gasser King. Okay. Good. And... Uh, Check me on my, on my website, ohiogeorge.com. Excellent. So if anybody wants to get a hold of his book, yeah. The Gasser King, go to George Montgomery's website, Ohio George. Super. All right, go ahead. Tell us yeah. about that car now. I didn't even, I don't, I don't know about that car. 
Yeah, that was a, a prefect. At that time, the Anglias were not uh, legal because the wheelbase. The prefect had a 94-inch wheelbase that was legal. But the car would, was good but not consistent. The tires were catching up with us. That was some of the big things. From the early days, our tires were so pitiful, and the tracks were like polished rock. Um, so it was quite a task to get them to hook up. So for a long time, horsepower didn't really mean everything. We were trying to get them to hook up, and uh, as the tires progressed, progressed, the tires and the tracks were better prepared. Uh, so anyway, the, the car wasn't as successful as I like for it to be, and it really never won any major things. And I didn't run it. That would have been in the uh, 65 era. Okay. Now, take us back to the late 50s, early 60s. Now, so you had the 33 Willys. You switched over to that because it was a lighter car from what, I re- from what I read. And you ran Cadillac in there for a while, but then in the early 60s, you switched over to a Chevrolet motor in that as well, right? Yes. That was because the NHRA rules on pounds per cubic inch change rise better off with them smaller cubic inch to keep the weight car weight light. So, and as I, as I said before, sometimes the horsepower wasn't the primary thing. You were trying to get the weight where you wanted it. And that was a better combination with the Chevy. And uh, so that's the combination I run. <clears throat> Until, of course, you know, I'm, I thought I owned the U.S. Nationals. I think I won there 22 times in my class. Wow. But in 1965, I lost. And I was devastated. I stayed with the Chevy a year too long. <laughs> and that's when I got a hold of Charlie Gray at Ford and said, I want a camera. And when we, they, was, they was tough and didn't, didn't have any, but I said, I want nothing but a camera. So we worked out a situation there. Now I, now I had a car that was so blessed and powerful, it was an animal to drive. We also, and I think it was probably one of the first drag cars ever in a wind tunnel. We took up the Ford wind tunnel. At 150 mile an hour, it had 600 pound lift at the back end. Jeez. It was just an absolute animal dry. Now, this so was the. Course, this is, are we yeah, talking about the original Malco Gasser now, the 67 no, Mustang? No. No? No, no we're, talk, we're talking about the Willys. Oh, the Willys. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, <clears throat> while the car was up there at the wind tunnel, Ford Motorsports had their worldwide banquet for all racing people. So, we had my, my Willys, which is a nice, nice car kind of the centerpiece at the banquet. And Charlie Gray introduced me to the Vice President of Ford, and his comments were, don't we sell Fords? <laughs> so guess what that meant? You had to switch to a Ford. I had to switch to a Ford. Right. Well, a, must, a Mustang really wouldn't fit within the rules. So I had to get a hold of Farmer Dispute, because the rules said it had to be on automotive frame. Well, a Mustang don't have a frame. So anyway, we worked around, and he allowed me to take another frame, Willie's frame, and length it where needed. And he kind of helped me through that whole project. He did it clandestinely because I didn't want people to know I was doing this. But anyway, I built the car. First time I brought it out was in Bristol, Tennessee, 1967. The inspector says, what in the world is this? I said, hey, gas supercharged. They said, there's no way. I said, you better talk to the fathers upstairs. They know all about it. So he's gone for about an hour, come back, signed it off, and the rest was history. And, the, and that car changed the gassers. He had a car that, that could stand the horsepower, drove like a Rolls Royce, aerodynamic on the ground, and it was just bad. 
What kind of times did that car turn back then? I think it was all in the high eights in the low 160s. I kind of forget, you know, how the progression was. But, right. Now, would but, it... Was would that car been considered a funny car, an AFX no, car? No, no, it it was considered a legal gas supercharge. I said I worked with with Farmer Dispute. He helped me when it come to every stumbling block to make it a legal car. The doors opened, two seats. It had everything to make it legal. Really? Of course, we had to, had to put on a Willys frame. Okay. Now, well, let me ask you this. Now, when when you raced that car, did you run that thing in eliminations, or did you just match race that car? No, no, I, I car won a lot of races. Okay. Uh, it, it was everything. The match race, the cars, my opponents weren't necessarily always legal, if you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> no, no real rules there. I pretty well run my car legal all the time, so I had a great notebook on what, how and where to run. So when they got where they had to run legal, I was right on the ball where they was out in left field. So that was a big thing why I usually won. Went, went, went to the major events and had to run legal. Interesting. Now, uh, we're down here in Florida, and I just got an email from one of our listeners. They want to know which tracks did you tear up back in the day in Florida? Oh, I don't know if there was anything in particular. I remember <clears throat> I remember being to Orlando. Boy, it was just miserable hot. Uh, I was at St. Petersburg once. Oh, really? St. Petersburg? Okay. That's Sunshine Speedway back in the day. Yeah, I think so. But, um, you know, I, I can't remember all the places I was at. But, uh, yeah, if I got my database, I, I got a good good record of everything. But uh-huh. uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember that much. Now, did you do any match racing with Masmanian? All the time. All the time, okay. You remember, Masmanian never drove. He always had drivers. Okay. KS Pittman, Bones Below. I don't know if Doug ever drove that car or not. But John, John was a, pr- a very proud guy, and uh, he hated to get beat. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, we all did. Uh, we all had egos. But, you know, after this is all over, I'll say Doug Cook was probably the toughest of the bunch. Really? I respect him well. I've talked to his son, Mike. Mike was telling me, he said, you know what? My dad said the same about you. He said he respected me very highly. And, uh, but... Anyway, I'm glad I did the things I did when I did. Today, the stuff has gotten so out of hand, uh, very costly. I made money racing, you know, not in the very beginning, but Don Gartner is a very, very good friend of mine. And we were discussing not too long ago that we're a couple of the very few that can say we did well drag racing, a race at a time. Not, not, not getting big sponsorship money, stuff like that. We won it. That's there's a lot to be said for that. There really is. Yes, because uh, you know that the race they have today, if it won me for the vast money that they get for sponsorship, they couldn't race. You know, and now you still you you run a uh, your speed shop with your son up in Ohio, right? Your son's very much yes. involved, and he's been with you all along, right? Yeah, he started when he's about five or six years old. Stand on a little milk box, running a drill press, drilling the end plates for. Bag blowers. <laughs> That's neat. So what is so when you these motors that you build today, and I'm sure you build a lot of custom stuff for people. Who are some of your uh, who are some of the guys, the big racers that you? We got a minute, a yeah. couple minutes left. Who are some of the big racers that you build motors for yeah. today? I don't do it for the big racers. The stuff I do today is mostly nostalgia stuff. Oh, okay. Twenty nines. 
I don't do the race stuff like what I did then. Okay. It's just different. I do the stuff to me that's fun stuff. Some of the race stuff is very, very costly, and I just don't want to get involved with that. Okay. Now, you mentioned camera earlier. Ed Pink was a huge camera fan back in the day. Were you? Did you him swap any uh, information back and forth in the day when you were racing cameras? Not really. His was in top fuel and mine was gas. Okay. But I do I know Ed Pink very well. Okay. And I still do to this day. But um, I don't think they ever swapped this site. Pete Robinson and I were very, very close. All right. Pete Robinson was out of Flo- out of Georgia, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And him and I were very close, too. And he raced and, top uh, fuel with a camera as well. Yes. In the early days, he had a Chevy. Okay. And uh, we made mag blowers. I, I did all the machine work. Him and I went together. Money was tight. We had have the... Uh, each split the cost of a, a mag blower case. I think it was $600. And that was a lot of money to us then for the patterns. And I did all the machine work. That would have been in the early 60s. Uh, I mean, it was about the first mag blowers that was made. But, um, yeah, I worked close with him. Uh, a little bit with Cotty Coletta because he was with the camera bunch, mm-hmm. the Ford bunch. And, uh, in the very beginning, when I had the Willies, they didn't know where to put me. Ford didn't. So they put me in the Lincoln Mercury Group. I was over there with Nicholson and Sharpman and Jack Crispin. And you know what? We had about 20% of the budget, but we did about 90% of the winning. That's amazing. You guys. That's, yeah. that's incredible. George, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I'd love to have you on again sometime so you can tell us some more stories. You willing to come back on again sometime in the future? Yeah, wait wait, wait a while. I just, uh, uh, I, I still stay busy. Okay. Uh, you want to plug your book one more time? Yeah, go ahead. You know, all you people want that, it, uh, you can get a hold of me at ohiogeorge.com. Uh, and I got the, the book was called Ohio George Montgomery, Drag Racing's Gaster King. I brought it out about two months ago. Super. I it over two years. Well, George, I want to thank you very much for coming on our show tonight, and uh, you take care. And if I ever get up to Ohio, I'll definitely try to stop in your shop sometime. Hey, guys, I want to thank my uh, special guest, Ohio George Montgomery, the big-time Ford racer, one of the most successful guys in racing in the 60s. Just an incredible. If you get a chance, check out the website, check out his book. In the meantime, I want to tell everybody thank you very much for tuning in tonight. Don't forget to check us out every Tuesday night on the Tan Talk Radio Network. We're now 106.1, right, Bobby? Did I say that right? And Don't 104.3. Forget, this weekend, Ted Nugent, Ruth Eckert Hall, 8 p.m. Hey, we will be there. We hope to see you guys there. Don't forget to check out our website. Don't forget to tune in. Our, what's our website, Bobby? It's GulfstreamOnsports.com, right? That's right. <laughs> and uh, we'll see some of the car shows. And be sure and check out some of our sponsors, okay? In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Telling tales out of school, but there's a feller in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen.